probably just quit and go home after that but I'm not gonna let you off the hook that easily if you have a Bible um, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter 4 if you don't then uh, don't fret we're gonna put the verses up on the screen and uh, we're gonna basically pick up where we left off last time this is not a a uh, sermon series in the making or anything like that, but um, really kind of wrestled with where to go tonight. Um, last week we looked at uh, Ephesians 4. Um, we started in uh, verse 12, uh, actually verse 11, and just talked about uh, one of the functions of the church and, and how um, how we are supposed to, uh, well, why we do some of the things that we do. When I say about the function of the church, I mean like how we're, we're, we work with one another, how this organism that is the body of Christ uh, is put together and why it's put together that way and, and the things that we're supposed to be doing and, and why, as opposed to uh, the way a lot of uh, churches uh, get off track, you know, and, um, and we, at times, have been off track, and there are times we've been on track, and so we do our best to try to stay where we're supposed to be. And so um, a frequent return to these kinds of texts uh, help us to uh, invest in the things that the Lord tells us to invest in and helps us to stay away from some of those uh, other things. And so last week we, we looked at um, how the church is put together in such a way that God uh, intentionally puts people within churches and gifts them in certain ways to be able to equip um, everybody to go out and to live life and uh, and just kind of what that means and how our summer community groups kind of fit into that um, that command uh, that comes from the word and so um, it hopefully it was not like a commercial or a trying to strong arm anybody into doing that but I think it's important for us to understand why we do some of the things that we do um, and so we're just going to move into the next paragraph of the text. And uh, this is, is going to be kind of an interesting thing tonight because I'm not really sure what's going to come out um, of the text. I know what, what came out in my studying of it and trying to avoid uh, preaching it. Um, and you'll see why in a few minutes. But I think one of the, one of the common uh, battles for us as Christians is to understand how we're supposed to exist in the world. Um, and there's a, a pastor named Francis Chan, and we were at this conference, and he um, talked, he kind of put it this way, and I think it's maybe one of the, it just makes sense to me. You know, he said, he was talking about how we, we never really know when we're supposed to fit in and when we're supposed to be weird. Um, you know, and, and his point, you know, he was saying is he was talking to a you know, room full of college students and he said, some of you guys are, you are weird when you need to be fitting in. Um, as far as like being a Christian in a, in a world and how you're supposed to function, he says, some of you guys are like, you stand out, you're weird when you need to do a better job of, of blending in and just 
being like a normal person. And he said, but then, you know, the flip side is that sometimes, um, sometimes you are fitting in when you need to stand out and you need to be weird. And you can, you can phrase it however you want. You can call it whatever you want. Um, how do you live in the world but not be of the world, you know? It's that whole, whole deal of, like, how, how really are we supposed to function? Because, you know, we're, we, know, we know as Christians that we are, are sent out to be witnesses for Christ, to give, a, basically, just like in court, to testify that Jesus is who he says he is and this is what he's done in my life. And, and we're out there to, to bear witness to him as we live in the real world, and we're there to love our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members, and and as we love them and as we live these live our lives in front of them, God somehow uses all this stuff to draw people to Him. So we understand that that we are are not supposed to just stay within the walls of the church. We're supposed to go. But the problem is, once you get out there, it's you don't always really know what you're supposed to do. Sometimes you get put in these situations, and you're not sure how how to conduct yourself. So you're there, and all your coworkers, um, like they, uh, they're like, "Hey, let's go do this after work." And you're like, "Okay, is this a be weird situation or is this a fit in situation?" And so sometimes we just like you're just like, "I don't know. I can see it both ways." So I'm just gonna pick one, and you always feel insecure about the one that you pick, and you know you're like, "Oh, you know, well, am I backslidden?" You know, and you start going through all this, you know, church talk and you know, all this kind of stuff, and have I disappointed the Lord? Have I disgraced? my church, you know, and all this kind of stuff, you know, or on the other side, have I been too weird, and basically now I make our, our, the church I go to look even more weird, as if our name isn't enough, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and so, so it's just one of those things of, like, how do you, how do you know, and so the easiest thing to do is to just set up a bunch of rules, right, that's the, by far the easiest thing to do. That if you aren't sure, okay, you know, you just want somebody to tell you what to do. You know, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to work through the logic. I don't want to work through the scriptures. I don't want to pray through it. I just want you to t- tell me, yes or no, can I drink? You know, yes or no, can I go dancing? You know, a friend turned 21, yes or no, go to the boats. You know, I mean, we just, whatever, fill it in with whatever issue you want. So we want someone just to tell us, yes, it's okay, or no, that's not okay. But the truth of the New Testament is that that is the very thing that Jesus came to free us from, or those kind of rules and those kind of laws. And so it goes from something where we just want to be told what to do into this really weird situation where it comes down to your relationship with God, and you have to work through that on your own. Let's face it, a lot of times we don't like that because we maybe don't know how to do that or you don't really know what that looks like or um, you're maybe just insecure about the conclusions that you come to and whatever. And so this paragraph is one of those paragraphs that helps us answer the question. Sort of. Let's see what I mean. Let's, let's, Let's read the whole thing. And then we'll take it little by little. Starting in verse 17 of chapter 4. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do 
and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life of God, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is, in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Okay. So maybe you can see why I avoided this paragraph and why this topic is a little bit unnerving. And so um, if you don't know me, then you're just going to have to trust me. It's kind of rolling the dice, I understand. If you do know me, you're also going to have to trust me. Um, I'm going to do my best to stay faithful to the text and not let any of my personal um, opinions about things creep in there. And if I do let the personal opinions creep in, I will let you know, this is me, okay? So if I, let's just make a deal. If I share with you a conclusion that I've come to and how I got there, I need you to let me, Josh, a member of this church, share that and not say, my pastor told us Sunday night this, okay? Um, if we can have that, that agreement that you'll just let me share that opinion and it will not become, this is what the Ring Community Church teaches, then, um, then we're going to be fine tonight. Everybody good? Okay, we're going to pass around a waiver that everybody's going to need to sign. I'm just kidding. Um, look at verse 17. If you ever wonder, um, this first verse right here really says it pretty clearly. Now I say this, now this, I, I'm sorry, I'm creating my own word order. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Okay? You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. This verse tells us that as Christians, our lives are to look differently than those who are not Christians. Plain and simple. There, there needs to be a, like, you should be able to distinguish between Christians and non-Christians. Now, don't add too many questions on into that. What about this one? About this? Just let, let that be what it is. There needs to be a difference. Now, I know we can get caught up in, oh, well, that's all external things, and that's, you know, whatever. Just understand that what Paul is writing to this church He's saying you, you can't walk in the things that you used to walk in. Your lives need to be different. So there needs to be some weirdness to us. I'm all for times you need to fit in, times you need to be weird. I, I totally agree with what he was saying. But in general, there needs to be a distinction between your life as a Christian and between the life of someone who does not know the Lord. Now, there will be lots of overlap. I think we tend to maybe uh, think in our minds that someone who's not a Christian is, you know, like has horns and tail and a pitchfork and all this kind of stuff, whatever. And it, that is not a, at all it. Everybody on the planet was created in the image of God. And so you're going to see those, 
like a reflection of that image in everybody that's out there. But what this verse says, and this is in line with the rest of the New Testament, I think, is that there needs to be a difference. Now, there's some implications of, in a corporate sense and in an individual sense. As individuals, this means that the way you conduct yourself in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in the, your groups of friends and whatever, as an individual who's a Christian, there needs to be a difference between you and people who don't know the Lord. Now, what things are different and how that plays out is going to be different for all of us. But generally speaking, if, if you are the only Christian in your workplace and all of your coworkers decide to go and do something after work, there needs to be a distinction between the way you conduct yourself and the way they conduct themselves. And I'm not trying to create this us versus them. or this. That's not what I'm really saying. Um, what I am saying is what this verse is saying. There should just be a difference. That um, when, when you uh, show up somewhere, there's just a distinction about how you conduct yourself. There's a distinction when someone goes to your Facebook page and starts digging through your photos and stalking you because you know what happens. There should be a, dis- a distinction between the way someone who's a Christian, between the, like the pictures that they put up and the things that they're like putting on display for everybody and people who aren't Christians. And please hear me. I don't say that in a judgmental way. I think that's a, just a practical way that this verse plays out. If you're at work and you're killing time and, and they're, you're pulling up YouTube videos, that there are some videos that you should stand around and be like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And there are other things that you, you should just handle differently. Maybe you don't, like, sweep the computer off the table and, like, throw a Bible at them, you know, but, you know, there's certainly some tact or whatever, but I'm just saying. We've all been in those situations where... Um, one, one joke leads to another joke leads to another joke, or one, one YouTube video leads to another one, or, you know, just whatever. So there should be a distinction in the way we handle those situations. Then corporate things, and I, I mean this as far as like gatherings of, of Christians, that um, when a group of Christian people go out and have a good time or do whatever, it should, it should look different than when a group of people who are not Christians go out. It just should. Again, I'm going to keep prefacing this because I don't want you to get all weird on me. Um, how those differences play out, different, but there should be a distinction. I know that, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. I know that like a lot of people started like, playing poker and all that kind of stuff. Um, a poker night at somebody's house with a group of Christians should look different than a poker night at the house of people who are not Christians. It, 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 there should be a distinction. So just keep letting that, that corporate thing go as well, that when a group of Christians get together, it should just be different. Now, look at the, look at the next couple of verses. 
verse 18. They're talking about the Gentiles, okay? The Gentiles are basically not Jews, okay? Um, but this is, he begins to describe some things about these Gentiles who are not Christians. This is what he says. They are, verse 18, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Okay, describes this inward condition. All right, this is a, the inward condition of people who do not know Christ. And don't get mad at me, get mad at the Bible. That's what it says. Um, hardened hearts, um, ignorance, okay? Now, not ignorance as far as, you know, like, ignorant, but, like, just true, like, like ignorance of, uh, of the truth of, of God, okay? That's not a demeaning thing. It's... You know, it is what it is. Um, alienated from God, okay, that's where, that's the reason why there's ignorance there, why there's hardness of heart is they're cut off from God. The only way to be connected to God is through Jesus, and so they are cut off from him. And so um, it's not uh, pointing the finger. It's not making fun. It's not judging. It's not whatever. It is what it is. If you're cut off from God, your heart is going to be hard because you're alienated and you're ignorant of the truth of God and you're darkened in your understanding, okay? So, so here are these, these conditions that are there. Now, these conditions of the heart then manifest some behavior and attitudes as described in the next verse. Look at 19. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Okay, callousness, given to sensuality, greedy, practicing impurity. So, for people who are not Christians and they are cut off from God, that produces these behaviors and attitudes and all this kind of stuff. So, what Paul is saying is that as Christians who are no longer alienated, but now you are one with Him, like we sang earlier, and you're not darkened in understanding, you've been enlightened in your understanding, that your heart is no longer hard, it is now soft because you've been given a new one, um, now that you're on this side of things, then the behaviors that are produced on the other side should not be the same. Right? The old heart produces those old behaviors. That's the old self, the old man. So the new heart should produce new behaviors, new attitudes as part of the new man. I mean, it makes, makes a lot of sense. But if you go back to the first sentence that says you should not walk like the Gentiles do. Your lives should not look like theirs. If we were to be completely honest, there are things in all of our lives that look a lot like what is described over there. You might think, oh no, I mean, I, you, like my, all right, my first thing when I read those lists of like bad things in scriptures would be like, yes, those pagans. You know, not me. So glad I'm not that. But that is a pretty uh, big indication. Look at the look at the four things it says in verse 19. Callous. So that, so we're saying we're not. Uh, this is this is the logic that plays in my mind. Okay, so I'm saying I'm not callous at all. There's no like so every time. I sin and I mess up, 
I'm complete, I fall to my knees weeping broken because I've grieved the Spirit of God and I have mocked the cross every time without exception. Okay, well, no. There's absolutely palace in my life. I absolutely pass um, situations of injustice. I absolutely pass homeless people sometimes with a sign asking for food. There are times when I do that, and I don't think twice about it. And that's because there's this callousness that creeps up. And so that's me walking like the Gentiles. That's, that's me, the opposite of the first verse we looked at. But maybe not you. Maybe you're like, no, 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 no callous in my life. All right, what about, um, it says they're given to sensuality. Anybody want me to move on? Given to sensuality. I'm sure none of us ever wrestle with that, right? Like you're just handed over to the things that appeal to your flesh. And I'm talking about everything from the opposite sex to, to food, right? I mean, and, and everywhere in between. Maybe those are two weird dots to connect, so just think there's other stuff in the list too. But, uh, but given over to those things that, you know, that we see with our eyes and this, you know, whatever. So there's me walking like a Gentile. Um, says they're greedy. none of us battle with greed because we all always act like we don't have any money, but guess what? We have more money than we think we do, don't we? Yeah. So none of us probably ever battles with materialism or, you know, not being satisfied with the things that we have, wanting better car, better TV, better house, better whatever. Yeah. The last one, practicing any kind of impurity. I'm sure everybody here is completely pure all the time in every area of life without exception ever, ever, ever. But I'm not. So when I read that verse, I see some uh, Gentile qualities in me. And so I guess maybe like the first thing is to be honest with ourselves. We say, okay, we are not, like, like there needs to be some distinction between our lives as Christians and the lives of people who are not Christians, let's just be honest. There are times with every one of us where, where things are kind of blurry, aren't there? And there's not a lot of distinction sometimes between the way we carry ourselves in certain situations and the way people who do not know Christ carry themselves. And, I, and I've contributed to that more than I want to admit. I've been the guy in a group of guys that took everybody to the gutter with me, you know. I've been the guy that after spending several days um, and hanging out and all this kind of stuff, whatever, I've been the guy who had, it just never registered how inappropriate the conversation got, how many times we crossed the line, how many times we uh, disrespected someone else in the group or someone of the opposite sex, how many times we made a joke at someone else's expense, um, and it just never even dawned on me because of the callousness that was there. So in my most honest place as 
as a moment of confession or however you want to look at it. I know that there are plenty of times in my life where there's not a distinction between the way I carry myself and the way someone who does not know Jesus carries himself. And that is very convicting to me as a believer, much less as the pastor of a church. And so one thing we have to do is we have to recognize those things for what they are. That is left over from our old self. I know we talk about that a lot, and it's in this text about putting off the old man, putting on the new man, and this old versus new and old versus new idea, you know. That's the thing, is that once we are alienated, and now we are one with him, but there's this leftover stuff that still gets the better of us sometimes. I was reading some different uh, sermons that kind of come from this text, and one pastor put it this way, and I like this a lot. He just, just says the old... The old man, the old person, the old self is basically the old bundle of attitudes and emotions and practices that I used to be. These are the attitudes, these are the emotions, these are the practices that, that that, that, that used to characterize me, that used to describe me. They're old. But sometimes, for some reason, we put those things back on. And that's when the lines begin become blurry and we stop being distinguished like we're supposed to. So Paul goes right after this and says, your lives need to look different. He describes where that comes from in the old man, in the Gentiles and those who don't know Christ and they, he shows how it shows up. And we see that overlap. Look what he says next. Look at verse 20. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, okay, that old bundle of emotions and attitudes and practices that used to characterize you. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt, through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness, true holiness. The word true applies to both of those, okay? True righteousness, true holiness. Here's the answer to how do we know when to be weird and when to fit in? How do we know where the lines are? How do we know if it's what's okay in different situations and how, like, what's the standard supposed to be? True righteousness, true holiness. That's, that's the answer. A lot of times we, we judge those situations by, like, how uncomfortable is this going to make me, you know? Um, how offended am I going to be by this movie or by this video or by this joke or whatever. How weird do I feel in this situation? But the real standard, biblically, is the standard of the new self, 
which this verse says, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and true holiness. So as we enter into these situations, that should be the standard by which we operate. How can I exist in this environment in true righteousness and true holiness? And you know what the beauty of it is? Is that there's no one rule that fits under that right there. That that is going to have some uh, fluidity to it depending on where you are and who you're with and um, where you are that day. And um, there's just going to be so many different things that factor into it. And what that does is that forces us to come before the Lord and say, God, I need your help to know how in the world I'm supposed to handle this. And how true righteousness and true holiness flesh out in this environment. And I believe 100% that when we come to him and we ask him, that he shows us exactly what that looks like. And we know at all times it's always going to be uh, about moderation. It's always going to be about, uh, you know, like in, those, in a practical sense. So God's never going to say, yes, you need to get totally smacked with these guys because that's going to open so many doors for you to witness. And you're like, yes. No, that's not going to happen. But every situation you get put into, you come before him, you ask him, he'll show you. Then you got to have the guts to walk that out. And sometimes that may mean not tagging along on something. Sometimes that may mean, you know, no, I don't want another glass of wine. Sometimes that may mean, you know, I'll go along, but I'm just going to, I'll, I'll, be DD tonight, you know. Sometimes it means just just walking away and realizing that you don't owe everybody an explanation about every decision you ever make ever. And sometimes it means that people are going to make fun of you and they're going to tease you and they're going to whatever. And you know what? And nowhere in Scripture does it say that you you can like completely avoid, you know, those kinds of things. And if that's the worst persecution you ever face, you'll be a lucky duck. True righteousness, true holiness. That is the standard. And what's cool is that that can be applied to anything. Should I see this movie? Uh, can I go into this situation and, in true righteousness and true holiness? Or is this going to take my mind and my heart places it doesn't need to go? Again, I'm not saying you need to, you know, try not to bring my personal convictions into this because I think it's completely personal. I think everything that I'm saying that comes from Scripture is that's the common common deal that we all need to, to embrace and try to get on the same page with and, and see where this comes from. But how that applies in your life is between you and Jesus. The problem is most of us just don't ever, don't, we don't really want to work hard enough to figure out what that is. Hear that? Maybe he can hear us. What's your 20? Shepherd the lost sheep. Uh, 
That was a Dukes of Hazard reference, in case you uh, missed it. All right, I'm going to try to wrap this up. So, put off the old self, put on the new self. That's what it says. Created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is the new standard. And you know what? This completely antis everything in verse uh, 19. Because the new self, there is no callousness because you, you become sensitive to those things. You feel the repercussions of sin and when you mess up. You see injustice and you want to do something about it. You're more, you're more aware of the appeals to our flesh and that sensuality. You don't fall for it as easily as you can spot it and you're aggressively like, no, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. anti-greed that's when you start to feel that conviction of like you know I don't need another purse I I don't need another purse I know that Uh, I don't need another purse I don't need more clothes I don't need I don't need a bigger house I don't need a better vehicle that's all bull that's all lies that's what that's what the media says that's what everybody else says but Jesus says something different that's the new self then we get up here and we talk about World Vision and sponsoring kids, and you're like, heck yeah, I can do $35 a month. I can go to CC's like four less times and save all that money, no problem. That stuff's expensive. It's anti-greed. It's anti-practicing the many kinds of impurity. Okay, so put off the old self, put on the new self. Now, we cannot stop it there because... I don't know if you're like me. I have no idea what that looks like. Like, how do you, how do you do that? That's one of the frustrating things. It's like, oh, it's right there. Just put on the new self. Okay, that's easy. Look at verse 23. Actually, look, look back at 22 so it don't make sense. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self. That is, that's how you put on the new self. And that's how you put off the old self. You renew the spirit of your mind. You fill your mind with the things of God. You fill your mind with truth. You set your mind on things above not on earthly things. What happens is, is we fill our minds with the truth of God and the invisible things of God and the, the impossible to understand things of God and all that truth and all that reality and all, everything about Him, that forces out all the trash that's always coming at us. And that old self and those old tendencies and those temptations and those distinctions and the things that make the lines blurry, that stuff is forced out of there and overwhelmed by the truth of God, and that new man comes on. That's why time in the Word every day is such an important thing. 
That's why prayer and communication with God is such an, a vital thing. Maybe it's never, maybe maybe it hasn't been explained very well to us as as, why, as to why those things are so important. Maybe that's why it's just become like, in many instances, just another thing on your checklist. But even done insincerely, and as a part of a checklist, God uses that because you are filling your mind with truth, and that forces out all that other stuff. I'm not saying once you do that, you're never going to have any problems. You're going to understand. You're going to, like, all of a sudden, like, Jesus is right here every day, and you understand every word and whatever. No, because you know what happens tomorrow? It has to be the same thing, the same thing. But I promise you, every single one of us who's in this room who is a Christian has experienced what it's like when you completely fill your mind with the right things. You've experienced the difference. I think that's one, one reason why I love our Sunday night time together so much. It's because you're just, it, we just cram it down your throat with music and with, you know, whatever it is that I do and all these kind of things. You, you can't help but, I mean, you're looking at truth on the screen and you're looking at it in front of you and you're singing it and you're like whatever. And that's why when we're done, a lot of times you're just like, man, life is good again. Because the old self has been put in its right place. The new self is there. Let me just give you an example from my own life. I was on a, a cruise boat a couple of years ago, and uh, my family went on a cruise, and we went on a carnival cruise, which if you've been on a carnival cruise, uh, I probably don't even have to say anything else. But they are, uh, this boat was small, and if you were all about getting drunk and hooking up, it's like, the best place on earth. Um, if you are not, then you kind of are a little bit bored. And so here's my family, okay, um, getting drunk and hooking up, not on our agenda. And so we found ourselves quite bored. And the only thing that we could do, really, that was a lot of fun um, for us, I mean, if we were girls, we'd probably just lay out all the time because apparently that's like the thrill of life for girls. Um, but uh, we just really weren't into that. And so um, but the, the casino on the boat was open like 24 hours a day. And so we would, the three of me and my brothers, we would go and we would watch people gamble because it was the only thing to do. And then it got to the, like, you get to the point where, like, you know all the dealers and stuff, and they're all from different countries, and that's kind of interesting. And so you, get to, you just get to watch people gamble, and for some reason that was fun for us. And so um, we, we watched and watched and watched and watched. And then by the last day, see, I've, I've never, never gambled before. Um, and, and not because, like, I'm a Baptist. Not, not that. I just, I'm just kind of a tightwad, I guess. And so um, it just never made sense to me. And so I, I took $30 on the trip with me. Now, it was one of those, like, family deals. So, like, dad was paying for everything. And so, and you know how it is? You just put it on a card and on a cruise boat and stuff. So I had $30 cash. And it was, like, the last night I was like, that's it. Totally playing blackjack. It's crazy. And so... Um, so I, I sat down and I just got on a roll, like, like on a movie, like people started coming around and like, I mean, twice I doubled down and got blackjack, both cards twice. I mean, it was insane. People were going crazy and I was up all this money. And, uh, and so of course, um, I got greedy and got down 
to my $30 and got out of there. Uh, and, and the whole time, like, the more it's going up, I'm like, get out, get out. You know, it's just like, who wants to be a millionaire? It's like, don't go to the next question. Are you insane? Take the 250000 uh, I wasn't up that high. But um, just the whole time in my mind, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, okay. I was like, if I win this one, I'm, I'm totally getting out. And what happens? You, you win, and your money goes up, and you don't get out. Like, you just don't. And so, um, anyway, so I lost, got, got back down to 30 bucks, got out of there, and uh, the next seven or eight hours of my life were completely miserable. I, um, I could not go to sleep. Like, I was so keyed up, and um, there's nothing to do on, on the boat. And so, of course, there's all this regret because of the money, not like a sin regret, but just like, I can't believe, you know, I could have had all this money or whatever. Next seven or eight hours, all I did was just process that whole experience and process the whole experience. Here's what I figured out. Um, The whole time on that boat, I filled my mind with nothing but uh, the things that I'm against in Christ. Because all around, there's just, I mean, there was, like, everybody's, everybody's getting drunk. People are hooking up, all that kind of stuff, but there's, you know, all, just all kind of stuff going on. And I stood in that casino, and I watched, and I watched, and I watched, and I watched. I never, there was n- never anything else coming in. I didn't bring my Bible on the trip. I never at one point, like, I just did, wasn't praying, wasn't. So there's was no truth coming in. There's all this other stuff coming. And that experience at the blackjack table fed my flesh so much that I was physically affected by it. Like, I could not calm down for hours. And I absolutely hated that feeling. And so here, and again, all this is just my personal experience. And so I know from that experience that that is not something I ever want to do again. It's the most out of control I've ever felt. Other than when I had anesthesia to get my appendix out, which is kind of crazy. The absolute most out of control I've ever felt. And I hated it. And so I made a decision to not put myself in that situation again because of the way it fed the dark parts of me. Now, I'm not, believe me, I don't judge you if whatever. That has nothing to do with you. This is just me. And letting you know how I got to that conclusion and how I've experienced not filling your mind, not renewing your mind in such a way that allows that new man to take over. I'm sure we all have those examples. No true righteousness, no true holiness in that situation for me. So I know I can't go into that environment because those standards that I have as being someone in Christ cannot be maintained. I've experienced that. And so because, because I cannot experience true righteousness and holiness, me personally, in that environment, that is not something I can do anymore. So it has nothing to do with losing money now. At the time, it was, oh, I can't believe I lost all that money. And now I look back on it, I'm like, I can't believe I fed that side of me in that situation so much. I want there to be a distinction in my life between the way I conduct myself 
in the way that someone who does not know Christ conducts himself. The only way for that to happen for me and for you, based on this text, is to renew our minds daily, throughout the day, filling our minds with these truths and the things of God and the mysteries of God. So that's how you know when to be weird and when to fit in. That's how you know how to live in the world but not of the world. But you know what? That's not, a, that's not an easy fix-all answer because it's always going to come down to you and Jesus talking about it. If you don't talk about it, you're just going to do whatever you want. And that usually leads to pain and regret. Sometimes in my situation, it leads to a story that can maybe help somebody else. I think there's sometimes you just, you just have to experience some things. You got to fall down. You got to get hurt sometimes. And I don't want to be the kind of pastor, the kind of elder in this church who's so worried about all this kind of stuff that we set up all these rules. We're not going to do it. We just want to help you learn to pray, learn where to turn, learn how to listen. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, we're grateful that um, that we are not alienated anymore, and God, that there is a new self to put on in the first place. Because of your Son and because of your power at work in us, we're able to to shake off those old things. That's just evidence of your grace. We thank you for that. Jesus, you know the challenge of living in this world. Um, you were here for 30-something years. You know what it's like to be tempted, to be influenced, to have all these things coming at you, yet you're the only one who ever made it through without messing up. Everything you ever did on this earth was done in true righteousness and true holiness. So we know that you will guide us and direct us and we'll just ask. So help us to apply this text tonight. In these closing moments, God, we just ask you to have your way in our hearts and in our minds. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Typically, this is kind of how we like to end things and just kind of let it, let it get personal for a few minutes before we get up and get all distracted and everything. And if you're in a place where you, you feel the conviction because there's that lack of distinction, then it's, it's very easy to fix. You just talk to the Lord about it. There's no magic formula or whatever you just tell him you're sorry tell him that you need him I mean it's just that simple maybe tonight was just kind of for you in some specific ways and this is just a time for you to let that sit and respond so we're just gonna 
give it a few minutes. We're going to sing some songs that kind of connect to what we talked about tonight, and then we'll be done. So let's just honor one another and honor the Lord during this time.